0: And we're back. Thanks so much for sticking with us through the break. Again, this is This Week I Learned, presented by Ross Mortgage Company with your host, me, Greg Arnold, joined again by my brother, Jeff Arnold, from the New England Center for Children. We just wrapped up a great segment about content marketing, and we finished, or not finished, but we continued our discussion on internships and our first job experiences. But to wrap up the first jobs, one of the things that we both had, I would say it was truly a luxury and a lot of our friends' or at least my friends were the same way was, you know, having a job lined up before you graduate college makes that last semester of college, not only so much more enjoyable, but much less stressful. And I think, you know, in the world that we're in today, where there's such pressure on, you know, college to produce this, you know, sustainable job in terms of income or, you know, you go into grad school and all that stuff. Just the importance of, you know, thinking about that early. One of the things for me I know was I had the luxury of where I had this job for all of senior year In mid-senior year. I never really had that stress of looking for a job. You mentioned earlier that, you know, you started looking for jobs at in the sort of back end of your fall semester of your senior year. So definitely earlier than I think some people think about it. So I just, I didn't know if you had anything that you could add sort of about how, you know. By looking for jobs early and getting those interviews out of the way, it really made the end of college more enjoyable or and less stressful. But also, it made you know you were able to avoid that sort of almost panic period that I think a lot of people face towards the the last you know few weeks of of college.
1: Yeah, I think that you know when you try to get stuff done earlier, um, it's exactly like you're saying. It makes the end of college more enjoyable. I think my case is extremely abnormal. I mean, hopefully, no one else has to live through graduating in a pandemic um yeah. so it like tr- like it really benefited me because if i had started looking even like two months later like a lot of places weren't hiring so especially in the type of work that i was looking to do um but yeah i think that that by applying to jobs early it it gives you that flexibility to that um yeah to go into something that you want it gives you those choices yeah and also it gives you the flexibility to really like deep dive You know, like if (laughs) people are, I do it regardless of when they apply for jobs, but by starting to apply and look earlier, you can really do research into all of the different options you have and trying to find, I don't know. I I think that that's something that's, that's people might take for granted if they wait till the end is that you can be a little bit less focused almost in what you're applying for because you have more time.
0: Yeah. I think that's so true. and, and, I almost think the earlier you start applying to anything, I mean, obviously this, this is applicable to so many different things. It's even applicable to, you know, the home buying search to sort of tie it into to Ross. But when you give yourself more time, you can be pickier and you can, you know, maybe reach a little further than you would or, or shoot for, you know, that real big goal or dream job or dream house or dream, whatever. The more time you give yourself is, is never a bad thing. So I, I do think that that's super important. And then, one thing that just came up there when you were saying nobody hopefully ever has to go through this again, I, and I probably should have mentioned this earlier, but I started at Ross here uh, during the pandemic. So I started in July. I was applying to jobs sort of throughout the pandemic. Really started, I would say, in you know May or June. So I guess the pandemic was... It was peak COVID, but it wasn't... Things were sort of opening back up uh, last time around here in Massachusetts. But yeah, I mean, it was. it's definitely... Was not easy, and it was something that I wouldn't wish on anybody. There are so many places that you know just weren't hiring or couldn't hire because of all of these different you know factors that are out of not only the the applicants' control but also the company that you're trying to work for's control. So it's definitely hopefully something that nobody has to go through again. But I just thought that that was interesting about how you know we both made the most of that, and it probably speaks both also speaks to assumption. And you know they they did a good job of maybe not you know forcing it but but I think we both were pretty aware that it was in our best interest to start you know early and stuff like that so I, I do think assumption deserves some credit for that.
1: Uh, That's Assumption University. Just for we did, yeah. we have not talked about that. We are both alumni of Assumption University yes. in Worcester, Massachusetts. Yes. Sorry, just to, to clear up any any yeah. listeners. Yeah, who are trying the, to figure out what
0: we were talking. Yeah, about. what is Assumption? I forget. Uh, good news is it is a local radio show, not a nationally syndicated radio show. So yeah. the yeah. Assumption brand presence in the boys the out state, Phoenix aren't <laughs> going to have to worry. Phoenix office, not a problem. But yeah, the uh, Assumption brand recognition in Massachusetts, thankfully, is pretty good, and it obviously helps out for us. It's funny. You know, obviously, we're brothers have a lot in common. But then another thing that I think is so funny is that we both have uh, direct bosses who you know are also assumption graduates. So and who
1: also graduated together, same year, yeah. yeah so it's, it's a small so, world. It's a buddy. small
0: world here in Central Massachusetts. And
1: I actually, I think, and Greg, you know, we're getting a little looser for the uh, the tail end of this show. I think that's a fantastic fantastic segue into uh kind of what i pitched at well so it's first of all to give people a look behind the curtain um and not too often that the guest that comes in is the one pitching segment ideas but you've always are. been an idea man i've always been an idea man that's that's how i ended up in the creative space and i'd said that you know greg our last our last segment should just kind of be a grab bag so i i i want i i saw so we're gonna move forward with that do you have any last takeaways from the first job experience? I know that's what this episode was supposed to be. No,
0: I mean, I, I think this was a really good discussion. I loved the content marketing. I think that's something that, you know, is probably, and we may even, you know, circle back to that, or I may even circle back to that. I do think it's something that I probably think more people know about than they probably do, It it, it is unique experience. I always forget that. But, you know, I really enjoyed it. I think your experience, especially the, I guess, both of our experiences of working, you know, while being in college and that transition just makes it so much easier and all that stuff so I do think that's a really important discussion to have and I think it's hopefully helpful for people out there to sort of understand uh you know what it's like going into that first job especially for the younger demographic
1: yeah and I think the so just in terms of main takeaway from this conversation I'd say that a like apply for those looking for jobs out of college apply early um be with internships I think try to chase something that you're passionate about but if they if it's not something that you end up wanting to go into as a career is completely fine and then see just I don't know take advantage of the opportunities that are placed in front of you at that, that for me that first job I was so lucky to have the support that I did um, and same with you Greg in terms of like just the flexibility and the belief and pe- from people around us uh, to, I don't know, just to, to go forward and to purchase, pursue something we are passionate about. But with that, uh, if you will allow, I would like to go in kind of a grab bag of topics. Um, Why the heck not? So uh, this will air. We are, so again, peek behind the curtain. We are recording on June 16th. I believe this will air on June 19th. Is that Saturday? Saturday? Yes, Saturday, Saturday, June 19th. So I'm, I'm currently- You're listening live Saturday. on Yeah. Radio Network. So hopefully is- I don't get fired between now and then, because that'd be kind of awkward. Um, however, I one thing that we both have a bit of a shared interest in, um, the logistics of kind of like global shipping yeah. and, and things like that. And that was what this episode was going to be about if you weren't so gracious to join us again. Yeah, so I'm going to plug – first of all, I'm going to plug a Twitter account. So it's at man underscore integrated. Um, He is a fantastic follow to give people a look at kind of what's going on in specifically shipping via like ships. Um, However, Shipping in the traditional sense of shipping. Yes, 100%. Hondo uh, P. So I think uh, one thing that relates to that that I wanted to talk about um, is that lumber prices are, according to the Wall Street Journal, and this is, I can concur on this, um, lumber prices going back down. And I it seems crazy, but it's almost like I do content for a living because I can connect this to Ross Mortgage. Can you give me a, just a kind of an overview of what falling lumber prices could mean for like your average homeowner or, or prospective home buyer.
0: Yes, that's what a setup. I appreciate it. But yeah, so that's something that is obviously it doesn't really affect the sale of existing homes. But with COVID, there has been so much demand for homeownership that new homes being built are at and are the demand for new homes being built is at uh, the highest levels that it's been in 15 or 20 years. So I talked about this on the first episode. So this is a great segment, which you probably didn't even realize was just how the demand for all these homes. So the issue was because of these rising lumber prices, it was costing about 25% roughly more to for the builder of a new home to build a home. So what does that mean? That means that that cost gets passed all the way through. So you were looking at in, at least in you know the Northeast and Mid-Atlantic regions, it was about 25% more expensive to buy a new build than it was a year ago. So as those prices drop, those new builds will drop and therefore they become more affordable. Now, what does that mean for mortgages? It should mean that all of these first-time homebuyers or people who are retiring uh, or just nearing the end of their working career who tend to be downsizing, those are the people who are most likely to go into a new build. So those, especially for first-time homebuyers, it's always a good thing when it's more affordable for them to get in. So That helps a ton. It also helps on the appraisal aspect. If you're following the housing market at all, especially in New England, it's been a huge issue where houses are selling for so much more than what they are appraising for. And we talked about this with Denise Kemet of LaMakia Realty on the first episode. But it's just so challenging for houses to appraise. And then when you're a first-time home buyer, maybe you don't have the cash to make up what is called an appraisal shortfall, which would be if you Made an offer on a house for five hundred thousand, but it only appraised at four hundred fifty thousand. In order to, and you're not putting down a lot of money. In order to make up what is called the appraisal shortfall, you need to come up with fifty thousand dollars. Now, when lumber is lower, as it is, or as it is transitioning to, and those new builds become lower priced, you have much less area of concern, which is great. So that is, I saw that this morning as well. It is super important for the housing market for these lumber prices to be dropping it's also hugely important in terms of the contractors and on a more macro sense for the economy as a whole just everybody benefits when you don't have these almost bubbles in certain you know commodities if you will
1: yeah i do think it's interesting um that they don't think that the prices though will fall back to pre vid pre-covid uh levels interesting because i believe I think they think the demand will stay up. And then also yeah. there's just kind of the n- new cost of things. I don't know. I think that lumber prices are something that, well, I mean, really all prices <laughs> um, in terms of you look at inflation of like food, for example, and how that's impacting restaurant owners. But I don't know. I think that's something that, you know, again, the, in terms of being a grab bag segment, <laughs> um, very much not related to the first part of this episode, but also uh, in, you know, so related to mortgages yeah. um, and homeownership is obviously kind of the one of the driving forces of this show.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I think speaking more about mortgages uh, right now, it's about sixty percent of the mortgages that are originating, if you will, are uh, refinances versus purchases. And, and hopefully you obviously, that's not too bad, uh, better than we were, uh, yeah, six months ago. So sort in of the fall of last year, or I guess the tail end of last year, but can I ask you a ob-
1: question? Yeah. In terms of lumber prices, how does that get passed on? Um, when it comes to insurance and also like remodeling, because theoretically if you, would that impact your insurance rate? Because if you, something were to happen to your house, then obviously it would cost more to rebuild.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know, but in terms, I don't know what, how it would go to the insurance rates. You would think that it would, but as you talk about renovations or something like that, I mean, that's obviously one of the most popular types of refinances, especially, uh, with people who have been in their home for, you know, that seven to 15 year window is what's called a cash out refinance. So they use the equity in their home to take cash out to make improvements. So you can technically use it for anything, but it's very, very common for people to do, you know, big scale projects. And when you have lumber prices being so expensive, obviously those projects cost a lot more and and it takes people longer to Have the money that they would need for you know uh, a renovation that might have cost hundred thousand dollars now costs one hundred twenty five thousand dollars and and while that may not sound like that big of a thing if your house was only worth you know three to four hundred to begin with it's a massive difference in terms of the equity you need in your house to pull that cash out so it's definitely a good thing uh, for the mortgage industry and for just home anybody who owns a home it's it's definite or is looking to buy a home there's no bad that can come from falling lumber prices
1: yeah. and that that's fantastic to hear as the the price of so many other things in people's lives uh, goes up. It's good to know that, it's good to know that that will, trend will not continue, at least in one small sector. Yeah. And then the other part of this grab bag segment um, I wanted to talk about uh, was ring doorbell <laughs> cameras. Um, specifically, an uh, experience that you and I had uh, recently at our at our parents' home, uh, where a lawn crew, unbeknownst to my parents who were not home at the time, uh, mowed their lawn and provided a full lawn care treatment uh, without them being there. So it really just made me think about you know. As a joke, like oh, ring doorbell camera would have been helpful to figure out like who came by and mowed the lawn. But also, I do think that in the age of um, you know so much more internet shopping. Uh, the ring. You can see how the ring doorbell camera has become so popular because even from like a security of your packages standpoint, just like having that there is is so helpful. And then in terms of, again, to link it back to uh, the logistics piece of it, also how uh, and this has very little to do with ring doorbells, but more to do with uh, shipping and and online shopping. Um, I don't know, just how like COVID has impacted those things. So I guess, you know, we have a few minutes left. I wonder if you wanted to riff on any of those topics. Yeah. I mean, I think what you just said, I think one
0: of the big value propositions for a ring doorbell, right? Is, you know, package theft as people continue to shop online more, but not even necessarily shop. Now people are doing groceries online or pet food online. Was ring doorbell a shark tank idea? Yes. Was it denied? I believe so. It's an Amazon company That's now, if I, if I understand. Well, it just shows that it was before its time. That's really, yeah. it's one of the like peak examples. But yeah, so I think as everything becomes more online, just that extra la- layer of security is something that people want, whether it be security from like a home invasion or un- unwanted visitors, but also just like you don't want to see, you know, your groceries being messed with or your packages being messed with or anything like that. Or it's easier to say, hey, like, the nice man who delivered my package maybe didn't deliver it, but he actually just chucked it out of a moving car. You know, you have all that stuff when you're looking for a refund. So that's really interesting. And then how it portrays back to, and we actually debated talking about this last week because when we recorded last week, it had just happened. But it is interesting that, you know, Ring Doorbell has, they probably has more uses than the average person thinks. I'm sure when somebody gets, we don't have one. I don't know anyone who has one, but I'm going to guess that, You'd be shocked at how often you found yourself checking it or looking at it. Uh, it probably is way more ha- not helpful necessarily because it's you don't need one by any means. And this is by no means an ad for Ring doorbell. There's only one thing we advertise on this com- this show, Ross, this Ross Mort- Mortgage. Mortgage Company. But you know, there's probably if I had to guess that you find yourself you know spending more time on the do Ring app think, than you ever would have thought.
1: Do you think with the Ring doorbell app, it's like one of those things? that it's a source of entertainment i do it's well yes that and then it ends up becoming like a source of stress because like constantly checking it. yeah
0: i i do i think they also make and i don't know if this is ring, but i know for a fact that there's one of those video doorbell companies that will push a notification for your phone anytime there's any movement and i am sure that there are people who are addicted to just looking especially if you have a pet or you live in somewhere where there's a lot of you know passerbyers or whatnot on
1: foot, I I bet it does. I feel like it's, like, the people who are super anal about their Apple Watches. And, like, if it tells them to breathe, they, like, are like...
0: Oh yeah, my, or stand up, re- they're like, okay, yeah, I gotta yeah, go do a the, quick lap. Yeah, yeah exactly.
1: Yeah. Like it, those those people, The the event diagram of the people who are overzealous with their ring, ring doorbell and the people who are overzealous with their Apple watches is just a circle. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just the same people, exactly. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. Well,
1: that about does it, unless you have any final thoughts. I enjoyed this wide ranging chat. I, I kind of I'm a specialist in those for NECC with the NECC now podcast, so I'm happy that I brought some of that to the table uh, on this show. Yeah,
0: definitely, and and you know maybe this week I learned wasn't necessarily the best the best name for the show as we wrap up episode three here, but we're definitely learning stuff. I really enjoyed today's discussion. Again, we were joined by Jeff Arnold, my brother from the New England Center for Children, his second straight appearance, and possibly making his way towards just a full time co host if if he wants it, but. This has been This Week I Learned, presented by Ross Mortgage Company. I'm your host, Greg Arnold, on the Money Matters Radio Network. We'll catch you guys next week, same time, same place. Thanks for listening.